Brittany here, Rita's podcast editor. Rita is actually down with COVID, but don't worry, she'll be back with a slew of new episodes next week. But until then, enjoy the replay of this episode, which is actually one of the most popular episodes of the show. Unfortunately, the Client Attraction Masterclass has ended. However, if you would like the replay sent, just email Rita at RitaMadeMeDoIt.com and put Masterclass in the subject line. If you're struggling to attract new clients and generate consistent revenue, be sure to tune in. This episode explains why you need to stop marketing for the sale and instead adapt to where your audience is in the buying process so you can create a repeatable client attraction system that brings you a steady flow of clients and the consistent sales that you're looking for. Rita dives into all of this and more on this episode of Back to Community. Success is about more than what you know or who you know. It is all about the quality of connections that you have with others. If you're ready to transform your business, elevate your influence, and fuel your financial success, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Rita Goodrow, a community-building expert, business strategist, and speaker who's dedicated to helping individuals, teams, and organizations build stronger connections in an increasingly disconnected world so that they unlock success and fulfillment. And for business, that translates into more creativity, more risk-taking, innovation, and increased profits. Join me weekly to discover actionable strategies, inspiring stories, and transformative insights that will help you connect deeply with your audience, your clients, and your network. Because you see, when you turn those connections into a loyal and trusting community, you will see your business grow like never before. It is time for a connection revolution because success is inevitable when you focus on building community. So let's get back to it. So I love furniture. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people like to buy clothes. People like to buy accessories. People like to buy technology. I like to buy furniture, <laughs> things for my house. And so it was about two years ago, I guess my husband and I were walking around our town and we saw a new to us furniture store. It wasn't really new, but it was new to us. So we went inside and there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing that we needed to buy. We just wanted to see you know, what they had. I wanted to see. I don't think my husband really cared, if we're going to be honest. Um, but I wanted to see what they sold. And then a saleswoman came up to us and asked, you know, do we need help? And we said, no, 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 thank you. We're just looking. Then we kind of saw this. I mean, it was eye-catching. It was an endless display. <laughs> Like in, I mean, it ended, but it looked endless, an endless display of mattresses over in a section of the store. And so Chuck, my husband, he touched one. We walked over and he touched one. And he's like, oh, wow. Like, hey, babe, this is, you know, definitely more comfortable than our mattress. And, you know, we kind of started walking down the row. We'd stop. We'd look at a mattress. And all of a sudden, guess who was there? <laughs> Guess who was right there? The saleswoman who we said, hey, we're just looking, right? There she was. But not only was she kind of there, she was there. I mean, she was blocking our walking path. She was aggressively asking us to like interact with the mattresses. She was like, lay down, feel how comfortable. She she kept saying things like, you deserve, you deserve this luxurious mattress. And you know, 
you know you can't sleep another night like you've been sleeping and you need this. I mean, she had no clue how I had been sleeping. I never said anything about it. But it took about 10 minutes of this before Chuck and I walked out of the store. But then that got us thinking, right? That got us thinking about buying a new mattress. And for the next six months, we did. We researched mattresses. We learned all about all of the different types of, I mean, I knew more about mattresses than I ever cared or continue to care to know about. And we, we learned all the information about all the different kinds of mattresses. We crowdsourced information. We read reviews. We, uh, read reviews of not just mattresses, but of furniture stores in our area. And we ended up finding this store that had really great reviews and, basically all of the mattresses we were interested in. And we kept talking about finding time to go and try them out, but we never did. We we kind of were like, all right, it's probably time for a new mattress. Found the right store, found the right place, even knew what we wanted, but we still never went to check it all out until, until one morning. <laughs> until one morning, I woke up with back and shoulder pain unlike any pain that I had ever experienced. I woke up in tears. So my husband was like, all right, it's time. And he grabbed the address right for that store and he grabbed the list of mattresses and we got there and we handed our list to the sales guy and he took us to the displays for each. And in less than an hour, we had purchased a new mattress that we love. We still love this. So you know, first of all, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever walked into a store and browsed only to be approached by a really aggressive salesperson who crowds you, who tries to convince you that you need something, and it just completely ruins your shopping experience? Well, here's the thing, right, about the story I just shared. That first store with the aggressive salesperson, that first store could have easily gotten our sale easily, but lost us as customers the minute they started talking to us the way that they would talk to someone who had an urgent need to purchase a mattress. When we were in that store, we weren't looking for anything. In fact, we wandered into the store knowing nothing about them. We weren't thinking about buying anything, much less a mattress. They would have been more successful. That first store would have been more successful if they had just left us alone, if they had left us alone to browse and kind of educate ourselves about their furniture, what their brand is like, what their business is like, and then maybe looped back with us on our way out of the store to say, hey, do you have any questions? Maybe offer to send us more information on their offerings and their sales, right, getting us on their list. But instead, that saleswoman continued to do what I call marketing for the sale. So she just kept marketing for the immediate sale. If she had adapted to where we were in the buying process and focused on building a relationship with us instead of getting a sale, then that could have easily been the store we went to on the day that I woke up in pain. Now that second store, that second store did adapt. We had already completed I mean, I make up statistics all the time, guys, but I would say maybe 80% of our buying process, we had already completed about 80% of our buying process by the time that we visited. So had I walked in, body in pain, research in hand, and encountered a salesman who then started walking us around to every single mattress, trying to educate us on everything about mattresses, and then trying to educate us on their business as if we had not even started the process yet, then they would have lost the sale because they would have made it difficult for us to quickly and easily complete our purchase. And I share this story because an issue that I see with entrepreneurs who contact me wondering why they aren't making sales 
is because they're treating their entire audience the same. They're treating their audience as if every single person in their audience is ready to buy or the opposite. (laughs) They're acting as if no one in their audience is ready to immediately invest. And it's really important that you adapt your approach to meet your potential clients where they are. But how do you do that? How do you do that when at any given time you have people in your audience who aren't ready to buy others who have a really urgent need to purchase your product and service, and the rest of them are kind of between. Well, we're going to get to that. I'm going to give you some tips about how you can do that. But let me, I think sometimes the best tips are found in stories. I think you all agree because I get emails from you guys all the time saying, you really loved a story or you really resonated with a story. And I think that they're just more interesting. (laughs) It's more interesting than me acting like a teacher, right? But I I do want to tell you about my client, Tina. So when I first started working with Tina, she was really frustrated because she, her business is mainly workshops and retreats, and they weren't filling. And I dug in and I noticed two reoccurring situations. So just stick with me here, okay? I'll loop back and summarize it, but just stick with me. Situation one, people became aware of Tina and her business because they met her at a networking event, or they caught her on a Facebook Live that she was doing, or they went to a speaking engagement, you know, a conference or an event where she was speaking. So in the brief time that they heard from or interacted with Tina, their interest was piqued enough to want to know more. They wanted to learn more about her business. So they would say, hey, like, could I get on your newsletter? Um, Or how can I connect with you on social media? Okay, so that's situation number one. Now, situation number two, people were becoming aware of Tina because they found her through a Google search, right? Through good SEO. They were searching and that search eventually landed them on her blog or on her website. So when I dug in about how people were becoming aware of her, that was what I found out. So then I asked for step two. I said, well, let me see your content. What are people seeing at each of these touch points? Now, her social media posts her newsletters, her Facebook Live. So that's situation number one. People met her networking or heard her speaking on a live or heard her speaking at an event, right? So they ended up going to her social media or her newsletter. So her social media, her newsletter, her Facebook Lives, they were all promotional. When I looked at the content, those were all promotional. So they would describe her event. They would describe the workshop or the retreat. Um, they would highlight, you know, who the right people were to go to these experiences, to go to these events. And she would explain the benefits that people would get from attending. And then she would give like information on how to register. Okay. So they were all promotional. I mean, yes, it highlighted like, are you struggling with these problems? Do you want these results? Cool. This is for you. Here's how you can attend. Okay. Now, her blog and her website. So remember, people were landing on her blog and her website because they were doing Google searches. So I looked at the content on her blog and her website, and the content there was educational. It brought awareness to kind of like, hey, here are some challenges, here are some frustrations, here are some events. Like, let me start painting this picture for you. Let me start opening your eyes to this. Um, but she never actually directly advertised her events on her blog or on her website. I mean, if she did, it was like a buried call to action in her blog, like at the end, like P.S., right? P.S., you know, head over here or something like it was a very hard to find link on her website under some category. Um, so she mainly was not promoting 
in those places. Now, one of the reasons why Tina wasn't getting registrations for her events after I found all of that was because she was not meeting her audience where they were at. And so as a result, she wasn't strategically utilizing all of the different tools that would allow her to create a relationship with her potential clients and generate sales. Don't worry, I'm going to explain this more. Now, the people in what I'll call situation one, right, the people who met her at a networking event or saw a live or heard her speaking, they were just becoming aware of her business. They were in a browsing stage. They were curious to learn more about what her business did. They weren't ready to purchase, right? They hadn't been looking for her. They met her at a networking event. They met her online, right, by like randomly browsing and stopping on her live and going, oh, I wonder who this is. Or, you know, attending um, a session at an event because it sounded like an interesting topic, one that, you know, but they had not come to the event specifically for her. They had not logged online to specifically find her Facebook Live. You see what I'm saying? So they were just becoming aware of her business. They were in a browsing stage. They ran across her and then became curious. They were not ready to purchase. At this point, these individuals, they wanted to be educated. So although her content highlighted, remember, all of her content at the touch points where these people were finding her, It was promotional. And although that promotional content highlighted challenges and benefits of attending events, the individuals in that situation didn't connect at all with that emotionally because they weren't in a place where they saw themselves yet as having the challenge that these workshops, retreats, events would solve. Okay. Now, the people in the other situation, the ones who were doing the Google search, They were ready to purchase. I mean, they had a very clear and urgent need that they were ready to address. They were on Google searching for the solution to their problem. But when they came across her website and her blog, she hadn't made it easy for them to purchase, right? She hadn't made it easy for these people who had the urgent need to find and purchase the solution to their problem, in this case, attending an event or a retreat. They were being met with content that treated them as if they were at the beginning stage of the buying cycle, when truthfully, they were at the very end. They most likely moved on from her page, right? When they found her page or her blog, they probably moved on to find another that made it easier to get the solution because, you know, they had just become aware of her, yes, but they just became aware of her at the same time that they had the urgent problem. So they didn't really have loyalty to her to search through all of her stuff to find the retreats, to find the workshops, because they were new to her. So working together, we created a content strategy that really adapted to her audience and the tools that they were using. So know this, when people are in the early stages of the buyer cycle, they're not yet aware of you. They're not yet aware of your business. Um, They're not aware that they even have a need for it. They're most likely, right, those people are most likely to find you on social media, maybe looking at a hashtag. They're most likely to find you at a conference or an event where you're giving a presentation. They're most likely to find you out networking. So you have to make sure that your strategy, your content strategy at these touch points is educational, right? Educational in a way that establishes a relationship with the reader. So that's what we did for Tina here. We revised her content to be educational on her lives, to be educational on social media, to be educational in you know, these presentations and not so much promotional. Now, when people are nearing the end of the buyer cycle, 
they're ready to purchase. They're most likely to find you through Google searches or review sites. Like they're ready, right? They're at the end stage. They're ready. So you need to make sure that your content strategy at those touch points where people will find you from a Google search makes it really easy for potential clients and customers to purchase. And so that's what we did for Tina. We revised her blog and her website content to make it really easy for the readers of those places to purchase from her. And after we did that, after we adjusted her content strategy so that it aligned with where those readers would be at, right, based on how they were coming across, right? So it's all of those pieces. It's how are people who are at this stage, where are they most likely to find you? And so then what does that mean your content needs to be for those places, right? So that's what we did. So when we did that, her registrations quadrupled. I'm not making that up, quadrupled in six months. And it was because she took time to learn about her audience and adapt and give them what they needed. And that meant she invested in creating relationships that led to sales instead of just always marketing for the sale. So I want you to ask yourself, are you adapting your approaches to meet people where they are, right? What are all the different ways that people are becoming aware of your business? And what is your content like at each of those touch points? I mean, don't get me wrong. I went through all of this too. Back in my lawyer days, so for those of you who don't know, I think I say this like every episode now, but before I was a business strategist, I was a business attorney for about 13 years, um, a business and real estate attorney. And the way that I really got into that was mainly through real estate. So I used to be uh, predominantly someone who represented residential, residential and commercial landlords. So landlords, residential landlords, they would hire me because they needed to evict a tenant who had stopped paying rent. And when I would look at their lease to help them, oh my gosh, like it was a disaster, right? It was clearly not drafted by me. It was actually clearly not drafted by any attorney. So I'd ask why they hadn't gone to an attorney. I'd be like, okay, I'm looking at your lease. Let me ask you a question. Why did you do this instead of go to an attorney to help you draft this lease? And they would always say the same thing in response. They would say, hey, look, that was just too much money. There was no need, right? I mean, there's a template. There's legal Zoom. There's all this stuff. I could just figure it out on my own. And the only reason, and they let me know this very loudly and clearly, the only reason they were even coming to me was because it was the only option that they had at this point. I mean, let's be honest, hiring me back then for an eviction, I mean, hiring any attorney for an eviction at any point, costs you much, much more than hiring an attorney to draft the lease. And that was true for me too, right? Hiring me for that eviction was costing these people much more than if they had just hired me to draft the lease at the beginning, not to mention, right, the fact that they were really most likely not going to collect this rent ever. They were not going to collect the the rent that was owed. But this scenario is not uncommon. The majority of purchases in general are made only after someone experiences, what did we say before, right? That situation that creates that clear and capital letters, urgent need in their life or business. But here's the thing. By the time that problem has turned into an urgent crisis, 80% of the buying process has been completed. So I want you to think about that. Most people will not purchase until they have that urgent need. But by the time the urgent need happens, they've actually already completed 80% of the buying process, much like my mattress story that I shared with you at the beginning, right? I mean, I did not go buy the mattress until I woke up in pain. But by the time I woke up in pain, 
80% of my buying process was already done. So earlier in this episode, we talked about whispers and how unanswered whispers turn into problems and unaddressed problems turn into a crisis and a crisis not managed, guys, turns into a disaster. So in this situation about the landlords, it was rent being paid a few days late. There's the whisper, right? Like, oh, rent's a little late. Followed by the next month, right? They got an email and they're like, hey, there was an emergency. I'm going to be a few weeks late on rent. Okay, there's another louder whisper, right? Followed by a month where the rent doesn't come in at all. Right now we got like a problem, right? Followed by a month where rent doesn't come in at all. Then it's followed by another missed rent month making the tenant now two months delinquent until, you know, the landlord kind of realized, hey, I'm never going to see that rent. (laughs) Like, it's never coming. I'm never going to see it. And, right, they realized that they had not followed the right process to get the tenant out of their home. Maybe they tried to do it on their own and got rejected by the court. So now they had no choice but to hire a lawyer. So while the purchase, right, hiring the lawyer, wasn't happening until they reached this final straw, their research into a solution had actually started earlier. And here's how that happened. They were Googling online how to handle a late rent payment, or what if a tenant misses a payment, or they were Googling, can I address it on my own? Do I have to hire an attorney? They were researching, right? What's involved? How much does it cost? Then when the problem turned into a crisis with that second missed rent payment, they started reading up on attorney reviews, right? Scheduling consultations and, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to need one. What if I need one, right? So by the time then their case was like rejected in court and they realized they couldn't do this on their own, they had already done all this research. They had already done all of that, right? Now, if the first time a landlord became aware of an attorney was after this urgent need, right, after we reached this crisis point, it would most likely be too late to get that business for that attorney because this person had already been researching this, all those questions that I just listed. They had already been learning, researching, finding the educational posts and blogs that were written by other attorneys, providing information that answered those questions, maybe following a few of these attorneys online, you know, quote unquote, just in case, watching maybe some educational things, some videos, some YouTube, getting on the newsletters, like learning some helpful tips. So when the urgency was there, they already had an established relationship with people they had been learning from and following. So those were the people that then they'd read reviews on and then ultimately schedule the call with and hire. But if an attorney was putting out content answering all of those initial questions, they would be the ones that were building the relationship. So when when this person was in the real pain at that crisis point, that attorney would be the person that they hired. You see what I'm saying? In addition, if that attorney had put out content to build awareness in them well before someone ever needed a lease even or needed them for eviction help, then that attorney could have met them where they were at by giving them tips and resources to help them with the lease while also educating them on why they need the lawyer to draft the lease, making it more likely that they would come to the attorney for the lease, right? So the lesson to take away from all of this is that you want to cultivate a relationship with prospective clients well before they need you so that when they need you, it's you that they hire, it's you that they purchase from. And most entrepreneurs aren't doing that. They're building a relationship with a person at the point of urgency. But if that's the first time they learn about you, you're most likely not the one that they're going to hire. So you need to know how to establish this relationship well before the urgent need so that when they have the urgent need, it's you. 
Now, I'm going to give you a few tips on how to do this, but note this. Today, by the time this episode comes out, at 10 a.m. Eastern, so if you're listening to it first thing in the morning, bless you. Thank you for listening to my podcast the minute it drops at like 5 a.m. Eastern on a Thursday. I'm leading a free masterclass. It's a free masterclass on this client attraction masterclass. And we are talking about this piece of your marketing system, about this piece of your marketing message, because this is crucial, guys. This is key. You can um, look at the link in the show notes and sign up to get the info and join us at 10 a.m. Eastern. Now, if you're listening to this after 10 a.m. Eastern on that Thursday that the class goes live, right, no worries. You can get the replay. So head on over to the link either way, and you'll either get the information to join us live or you'll get the replay uh, so that you can go deeper into this. But I am going to give you a few tips here right now. So to help you do this, I want you to ask yourself the following question or questions, really. Number one, what is the very first the very first thing that a prospective client would be thinking about. So in the example above that I gave you, a person would think, oh, is an investment property right for me? Remember, the urgent need was, oh my gosh, I tried to evict this non-rent paying tenant myself and I couldn't. But the very first thing that that person would think on that whole journey is, is an investment property right for me? Should I have one? Now, what whispers do prospective clients hear but don't address? So number one, you're asking yourself, what's the very first thing way down the line, right, that your prospective client would be thinking about? Now, the second is what whispers do prospective clients hear but don't address? What challenges are they most likely to face as a result of that? And what worries them the most? So in my example about the rent and the landlords, you know, it's the rent coming in late, That's what they hear, but they don't address. It came in a day late, two days late. No big deal, right? But then, right, the challenge they're most likely to face as a result is, oh my gosh, like, well, the client has an emergency and can't pay rent. What do I do? And then what worries them the most is collecting all that overdue rent that then has stacked up. Now, what's likely to be that immediate urgent problem they experience, right? That urgent problem that moves them forward to hiring you. So in my example, two months of missed rent, It's impacted their bank account in their life. They have to recoup that money soon or they're going to miss out on even more months of rental income. They can't afford that. And they tried to do it themselves and their case got rejected by the court. So what is that for you? So what's the first thing they think about? Then what whispers are they missing that they don't address? What challenges could those create? And then what will worry them? And then what is that urgent moment, that immediate urgent crisis moment, the experience that moves them forward to actually take action? on it. And then how can you use all of that information to reach your audience at those different points where they are so you can create a relationship with them? That's what I want to know. And that's what we're going to talk about in this masterclass. Now, for you to generate revenue, someone has to purchase from you. They absolutely have to. And for someone to purchase from you, they have to trust you. They have to know that you are the solution to their specific problem. But for someone to trust you and know that you can help them, they have to become aware that your business exists. So I want to know, and this is great. If you can email me and let me know this, I would love to know. Or even better, join me on the masterclass if there's still time. But if you missed it, no worries. Like, I still want to know, what is your favorite way to build awareness in your business? Like, once people become aware of you, so what's the favorite way before they ever know you, before they ever know your name, before they ever know your business name, how do you get them to become aware of you? What's your favorite way? 
And then number two, once people become aware of your business and they're in that browsing stage, right, the stage of not yet ready to buy, like, oh, I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't even know you were a thing. I didn't know what you did was a thing. I I didn't even know this is so interesting. I just kind of want to learn more, right? They're in that browsing stage. What is your favorite way to nurture that relationship? You might be tempted in your answers to those questions to list a million ways under the sun. There are many ways to build awareness and there are many ways to build a relationship. But I really want to know what is your one favorite way for each of those places, the awareness to generate awareness and then to nurture the relationship when people are in the browsing stage. I want you to email me. I want you to share them with me if you're struggling to answer this Right. Or if you want to know, how can I actually take this information and create a client attraction system that is repeatable, that's able to be repeated and attract me clients like a steady flow of clients. So I always have people ready to work with me. Then you want to join in on this free masterclass. Click on the link. Either way, whether it's about to happen, you're going to get the information. If it's already happened, no worries. You're going to get the workbook and the replay. It's completely free, guys. So why would you not want to revisit your client attraction system? See if you can make it even more seamless. If you feel like you have a good one, is there anything that you're neglecting? Anything you can do differently? Anything that you can update as we kind of head into the last quarter of 2021 and move into 2022 or whenever you're listening to this, it's always a good idea to refresh this, to revisit it. And this is a perfect time. So either way, whether it's about to happen or it already happened, you're going to get the information that you need to be able to attract clients on repeat, right? To have a steady flow of clients and customers coming to you. You're going to learn in this class the things you can do right now to make that happen. And then I want you to join me next week on another episode of Back to Community. I hope you feel inspired and ready to take action on building powerful connections and communities. Now it's time to spread the love and share this connection revolution with others. If you enjoyed today's episode, snap a screenshot, share it, or post about it on social media and tag me, Rita Goodrow. I would absolutely love to see it. In fact, as a way of saying thank you, every month I select one person to win my community building resource bundle. This bundle is packed with tips, resources, and exercises to help you build and grow community. Let's get more people in on this adventure to elevate their business success through community and connection. And remember, we are all in this together. So let's continue the conversation in the Back to Community Facebook group. You'll find the link in the show notes. Until next time, keep connecting, keep growing, and let's get back to community.